Live from Gil Silva Family Studio in Salinas, California, the salad bowl of the world. Welcome to the podcast designed to inspire the only one built with ganas. You're going to work harder than you ever worked before. And the only thing I ask from you is ganas, desire, haircut. If you don't have the ganas, I will give it to you because I'm an expert. From the founders of Gill Basketball Academy that empowers youth to play hard, work hard, study hard, and overcome obstacles. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. Real interviews with real people about real life. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And now it's time for Ghana's Leading from the Heart. This episode was sponsored by Plaza Properties. Plaza Properties and Dan O'Brien have managed departments in Salinas since the 1980s. Plaza Properties believes in the mission of the Gill Basketball Academy and is proud to contribute to our podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ghana's Leading from the Heart. I am Jose Gill, coach teacher, father, husband, and a lifelong believer in ganas, which translates to desire. My co-host. I'm excited to be here. Yep, Kike Asinto, one of our academy members since he was, I think, born. Um, And also co-host to my right. Hi, I'm Sammy Gill, and thank you for being on the podcast. Yep, got Sammy, little Sham, Rob with us. Uh, Today on the show, we're privileged to have uh, Rob Bishop, athletic director at Palma High School, and a former college basketball coach. So, Welcome, Rob. Thanks. Uh, my pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to it. I see you got a little Palma guy over there with you, too, so this should be fun. This should be really fun. To start it off, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, education, and career? Sure. Um, I've been married uh, 26 years to uh, my wife, Holly, who uh, I wouldn't be sitting here right now doing this if it wasn't for her. Um, when you've been in the coaching game as long as I have, um, your better half is a huge piece of that. I got two daughters. Uh, one's a sophomore in college. One's a sophomore in high school. Um, I graduated back from Chico state. Uh, I got an undergraduate degree in exercise physiology. And during that time as an undergrad, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Change majors three times, stumbled into coaching. And so I ended up staying there and I got a master's degree, uh, from Chico in coaching. So that was kind of a little bit about me. Wow, that was pretty brief, Coach. I know there's more about you. There's more well, about you, but we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I'll, I'll, I'll ignite the conversation. So, um, you know, you, you you mentioned your wife, and I think uh, that's pretty smart on your part to do so. Uh, we got to, as coaches and, and 80s, we always remember, like, at banquet to sell. Don't forget to thank your wife, right? Because if it wasn't for our better halves, uh, I don't think we'd be able to do this crazy job that we do, right? Um, oh, and sure. uh you know, and, and also family, you know, your, your daughters and what you do. So how, how, how instrumental and important are they in your daily journey of uh, navigating all these sports and parents and community members and the media, et cetera? They're, you know what? It, family's kind of the rock, right? Like that's what, that's what you have to fall back on. Um, it, it keeps me grounded. You know, when I get, when I think when I even more so, more so when I was coaching, um, just to kind of a quick side note, when I first got the CSUMB job, one of my first timeouts I called, I was really hot and 
Um, I call a timeout, I squat down, small gym. I look up, I'm about ready to kind of go off on a tirade. And my three-year-old has got her hands on the back of a chair of one of my players and is looking in between them um, <laughs> to listen. And it froze me. Of course. And, I, and I had to kind of rethink my entire, what I was about to say. But it, but it was just a, it was just a good reminder and a good grounding. And I've always, I've always tried to use that um, use my daughters, use my wife. Um, you know, my wife was, was always be like, Hey, you were too loud today. You didn't need to say that to them. You were, you were coaching angry. Um, even, you know, without maybe necessarily eliciting her thoughts, but I was smart enough to listen. Um, and, and she's just always been a rock. And then my kids is the same way. They, they grew to like, um, me being a coach. Uh, one always wanted to be coached by me and the other one didn't, but you know, it was, they're, they're my foundation. You know, it's, it's funny you say that cause I started getting all these stories, right. Of, of, of that, that exact same thing. And, and I remember like as a young coach, um, we both can agree that, you know, there's been some stuff and some tyrants that we went off on and, you know, things that used to just heat us up so quick and fast. Right. And, and getting home and 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 uh, nothing like having your wife there to break it down, break down the honesty, right? You know, yeah, you won, but you were a little overboard there, right? You don't need to, you don't need to be, you shouldn't have done that, and so correct that, and make it right, call the kid and apologize, and you know, so um, it, it's it's a great fine balance that that we as coaches and you know go to, but um, you know, let's dive more into your journey as a, as a basketball coach. At, you know, Northern Arizona University, Chico State University, and CSUMB, right? Hopefully I didn't miss any other stops. No, but. no I, you know, it's funny. I would actually say I was fortunate to only be at three places. Um, you know, I started, I, I, I kind of stumbled into it, like I touched on in the beginning. I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I went to college. Uh, I walked on at Chico State. I registered my freshman year. Um, I was okay. I think if I'd stuck with it, I, I probably would have eventually made the team and, and played a little bit, but I ended up getting hurt um, at the start of my sophomore year. wasn't doing very good academically. Just It wasn't I wasn't smart. I just wasn't putting the time in. I was probably enjoying college a little bit too much. And so um, uh, Chico at the time was in a smaller league, the N, uh, NCAC. It was at the, the last non-scholarship Division II league in the country at the time. Um, and so my parents were paying for me to go to school and my dad was like, look, you need to go get a job and you're hurt. You can't play. Now you got to work since you're not taking this very seriously. So in my job interview, um, it turned out that the guy who was hiring me was coaching an eighth grade basketball team. And we just started talking, literally interviewed me for about five minutes for, for, it was a rec department job. And then he brought up basketball and we started talking basketball. And I, I think we talked basketball for like an hour. And the next thing I know, I'm coaching junior high basketball, um, which in small world, the, um, one of the, one of the players on our team, his dad was the uh, head coach at, um, at Chico high. And so after two years at the middle school, I ended up over at high school. Um, uh, my first year there as an assistant, uh, we were 10 and 0 and we had a, a senior unbelievable kid, Six six shooter who ended up going to Northern Arizona and played for Ben Howell and got Ben Howell into the tournament um, twice and ended up helping him land the pit job. So, um, but as I was as I was kind of making the progression through high school, um, I was getting through college. 
I graduated, uh, spent some time talking with Puck, who's the head coach at Chico at the time, and had a really good relationship with him. I was like, you know what? I love coaching. I, you know, I, I thought I was way better than I was. Um, I thought I knew everything, which we just had really good kids, and so we were pretty good, um, which I took to, you know, hey, I'm, I know what I'm talking about, uh, which probably wasn't true at the time anyway. So I went from middle school to high school to then going over and, and volunteering uh, with Puck in my first year with him. I was one of like five volunteer GA assistants. I was head coach in the freshman team at Chico High, um, which if you know anything about Chico, the high school butts right up to the college. So I was up at 6 a.m. every morning. We had 6 a.m. high school practice. Then I would go over, hang out for some hours in the office, and then I would work in the equipment room, going to school in the afternoon, practice in the evening um, at the college. And so did that for a year and then um, was finished all my classwork for my master's and then was kind of looking for GA jobs because we only had one paid position at the time. Uh, and then Tim Cleary, who was the head guy, got an offer to go coach at Cal Poly Pomona um down south who we weren't in the cca yet at the time but we're about to be so he took that job and puck ended up hiring me to the full-time position um so i did that for another five years and then going into summer um a buddy of mine who uh was with howland back at pitt who had been at nau called and said that uh, Mike Adris, the NAU head coach, was looking for three assistants, and he offered my name up, and he wanted to meet. So um, it was kind of right in the summer, and uh, we had just had Courtney, my oldest. She was two months old, um, and we had just bought a house. It was brand new, just been built. So the timing was terrible, which seems to be timing for coaching. Um, Timing's always bad when the right job comes along. Um, but I ended up taking the job. I took it for not very much money, um, was gone. The recruiting rules were a little different then was gone for literally two months straight. Um, and then my wife sold the house, packed up the house <laughs> and movers come. Um, I came back to move the house, um, but she handled all of that. Um, and you know, I ended up at NAU and was there for six years and, my role there expanded pretty much right away. I think originally when Mike hired me, he was kind of looking at me as the third assistant. By the end of the summer, he changed when I was the second assistant. Um, and then after my first year, we had a guy come in for years, the head assistant, and he left. Uh, Mike was a little tough to work for. Um, and I stuck it out and ended up being the head assistant there for five years. And we had a good good run there. Um, and then my same guy that he called me about uh, the NAU assistant job called me up and said, Hey, Monterey Bay's got a, uh, got a head coach opening. And I was like, Monterey Bay's got a head. I'm like, the JC guy's not going anywhere. He goes, no, no, no. It's, it's deep. They're going from NAIA to D2. And so I, uh, applied, um, and got the job and then was there for nine years. And so it's been, then, uh, at the end of nine years, we had a, we had a really tough uh, last year there. Didn't win a lot of games. Had everybody hurt. Had a really good team. None of the, none of the anticipated starters we had ever played together. Um, and the VP there was, I got time to make a change. And so 
um, as that rolled out, this job opened and it just kind of ended up uh, meant to be. I had a couple opportunities to chase some bad jobs. I didn't want to do it. My daughters at the time were um, in seventh grade and sophomore in high school and both were doing really good. And it was just kind of a moment where, you know, speaking with my wife, it was like, you know what, been here, done this. Let's try the AD thing. Um, it's coaching coaches. And, and so, you know, now I've been here, just finished up year five. So that's kind of a quick roundabout history of, of my run from Chico to sitting here talking to you guys. That's, that's, you know, that's very interesting. And, and I think uh, GA for those that are listening is a graduate assistant. Um, and uh, you know, from, from graduate assistant to assistant coach at NAU um, and, and then uh, going to CSUMB, uh, once again, back to back to family, right? The support, and then ultimately from CSUMB saying, you know what, our family likes the area, we want to stay here, and now the decision is made for my daughters and what's best for us, right? Um, because that's the fine line that sometimes coaches, uh, you know, don't know when to stop, right? And uh, it'll ultimately affect the family, but. Um, kudos to you for, for, for making that a priority. And, uh, now, now, now you're, you're, you're impacting in a different way and, uh, you know, you're calling, right? It's, it's, uh, it's happening on a daily basis now. Yeah. I still, I mean, I still feel like I'm coaching, you know, that's what, that's what I'm doing. I coach coaches. Um, I, I get to, I love, I've always loved sports. Like, I mean, I played, I played a little football. I played basketball. I played soccer. I wrestled in middle school. I ran track. I've always, I've always done sports. I enjoy watching sports. As a matter of fact, you know, before I jumped on with you guys, I was watching, uh, UCLA, Oklahoma, uh, for the women's college world series right there. And so this was an opportunity to continue to be around in sports. And I, you know, I'll get up in the afternoon, walk out and watch baseball practice for an hour and just sit there and enjoy watching the kids learn. Obviously, you know, even my office is in the gym. I just leave the door open and I feel like I'm part of basketball practice and I got great football coaches and I, and I walk out there and just being around guys, you know, I've, I've coached a couple junior high teams here, um, due to losing coaches late and, and stepped in and done that. So, yeah, I feel like even though my title is athletic director, that's, you know, I do more than athletic director. And so it's, it's, it's been a real blessing. It's really kind of kept me, kept me going. Uh, that's great. Uh, thank you for sharing with us. Um, how has your transition as a college basketball coach to a high school, to a high school athletic director been? Any challenges specifically in regards to watching a high school basketball game? Um, it, it actually had, it's been, it's been pretty smooth. Um, I, I've got a great assistant, uh, Mrs. Burleson, who was kind of the interim, um, when I got the job, unfortunately for me, she didn't walk away. Um, so she gave me all the, the ins and outs and, and really helps me look like I know what I'm doing, um, which made my transition into this position pretty easy. You know, I, it's funny. That's a great question about the basketball piece. Like, you have it's weird right because like you want to coach and, and in my head I don't say stuff um because I have to be an example for parents and, and I think being being an AD and sportsmanship we we constantly you know are, are we have to be that example and it, it doesn't look good if I'm sitting there yelling things at people in a sport because I know it and also you know when I got the job 
the one the one coach that I didn't want to feel like I was just gonna lean on and push on was our basketball coach. I didn't I didn't want to put him in that position um, to feel like oh I just got the CSUB coach as my AD he wants the job. So I, I stayed farther away actually from basketball than anything. I didn't go to any practices my first year, um, other than sit in my office and kind of listen. You know I went to games. Um, never suggested anything it just I just wanted him to be comfortable and know that I was here to help him if he came to me and and just kind of stay out of the way um and so I, I did that for a year and then he felt way more comfortable with me and our relationship's totally different um and so he'll ask for suggestions and we'll have conversations about things and where the program is and and coaches and, and all that type of stuff so um the transition overall, I think, was was pretty easy once once I figured out, you know, the, the day-to-day and, and all of the touch points and everything was good. The hiring of coaches, I think, um, you know, because I've coached for so long, I have an idea of what I'm looking for. Um, not just in someone who knows the game, but how they are with kids, how they can impact kids. Um, because as you guys know, you can do – coaches can do, do a lot of damage to kids. Um Coaches do a lot of great things for kids, um, but there's a lot of kids <laughs> out there that would, would not say that. And so, you know, in making the transition, I've always been even more cognizant of how I wanted to be coached. You know, how, how did I evolve as a coach? How did I get there? And I look for that in people um, in this job. You know, you're at Palma High School, and it has a rich tradition of producing professional athletes in in, in a variety of sports. Uh, as an AD, you know, what's been the most difficult challenge of you trying to, you know, get less successful sports up to par with others? That's a good question. It, a lot of it, I think, right now has to do with numbers. Like, you know, we're, we're sitting about 480-some 80 80-some students. You know, we're down from the 80s when we had 600 kids and we were, we were busting at the seams here. And when you're a smaller school, you know, basketball, baseball, football um, traditionally get the numbers of kids. And so the smaller sports like water polo, cross country, uh, tennis, swimming, you know, they kind of ebb and flow. And I I hate to talk about COVID, but COVID really hurt for us, Um, you know, our smaller sports. It limited the number of kids. Um, we had limited access cause we don't have a pool. So that affected water polo for a year. Our swim club had to go to car, our swim team had to go to Carmel, um, which limited the numbers of kids that wanted to actually do that. They didn't want to drive, to, they didn't want to travel to Carmel to swim because that was the only pool we could get in. Um, and so it just, it, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, I have good coaches at those levels, but it's, it's just kind of getting kids and then the multi-sport athlete. You know, we've always thrived on on having multi-sport athletes here. And I think the trend now um, with travel and, and with parents a little bit, um, if my kid's not playing one sport during 65 days a year, they're not going to get a scholarship. That's really impacted in a negative way um, our, our smaller sports, so to speak, you know, tennis and swimming and, and whatnot. And so we've seen that um, kind of happen. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, what positive advice uh, do you have for parents with scholar athletes? Uh, that's a great. That's a great question. 
And I think the best thing I can advise is it's, it's their time. It's not yours anymore. Right. Like it is, it is so hard um, to get a college scholarship. The, the opportunities are very few and far between. Um, they usually don't involve it for a majority of sports. You know, you're not going to make back the amount of money that you spent traveling 10 months out of the year, taking your kid all over the country um, to be seen. And so, you know, just to have some perspective, if your son or daughter is good, just enjoy them being good. Yeah, you, you can help them. You can get them to camps. You can, you can do the travel stuff. Um, but just having a realistic attitude that, you know what, if, if we approach this, like we're just going to go out and have fun and not worry about what happens down the road, then great. But I, not many people do that. Too many people get tied up in, oh, we have to do this. This is the only way to, to get a scholarship. And you should only play one sport and focus on it. And, you know, so many kids burn out. My first year here, I was, was teaching anatomy physiology class. We had about 35 dudes in the class. And, and I asked them because only I think uh, 16 of them were playing a sport. It was a junior senior level class. Only 16 guys were playing sports for us. And I asked the question, I said, Hey, you know, how many of you guys played sports growing up? And all 35 of them raised their hand. So then that led to the next question. Why'd you quit playing sports? And for 90, that's about 95% of them was like, my parents were crazy. I was got tired of listening to my parents complain about stuff. Tell me I had to go to this. Tell me I should be doing this. Um, and just really, you know, they kind of, kind of stole the fun from them. Um, and then when I was coaching at CSU and BR women's women's volleyball coach at the time, because I had daughters gave me a really good article, um, that talked about the difference between guys and girls and why girls quit playing sports by age 13. Um, and you know, the number one thing was they weren't having fun. And a lot of that has to do with parents kind of being overbearing and, and not because they're realize what they're doing they're obviously parents want what's best for their kids but you know when it comes that's why i love athletics because they really can't help them because at the end of the day you know genetics play a huge part in whether or not a kid gets recruited um and the time and effort that the kid puts in not the time and effort that the parent puts in. so really that's a long-winded answer to say just let your kids have fun (laughs) enjoy the ride enjoy watching them for as long as you can because eventually they're not going to play anymore yes so. Yes, and you know, Ghana says the name of our show as we wrap this as we wrap up this this interview. Uh, you exemplify that perfectly as a leader in your community. Um, what advice do you have for the podcast listeners when it comes to the word ganas, which translates to desire? You know, it's it's you have to want a desire to be a leader. I, I mean, we talk a lot about there's not enough leaders in your community, um, and you know, with the, the social media age these days, people desire to be liked and be followed and all of that. And, and being a true leader, um, having you, you have to have that desire to not worry about whether or not people are liking your pages or tweets or whatever, but something has to be important enough to you to want to be good at it, you know, to want to lead. Um, you know, I was still people I survived at this job because I don't care if anybody likes me or not. You know, I mean, as long as they keep hiring me, I'm here. I'm sure some people like me. I'm sure other people don't. Um, but I'm going to do what's what's best and what's in my heart and what, you know, what I believe in to be the right thing for Palm Athletics. And, and that's not an easy thing to do. And so using that desire, um, 
to influence and, and keep going in the right direction is, is the best piece of advice I can give. There we go. And that's our show today. We'd like to thank Coach Rob Bishop for being a special guest on our podcast. From our GBA family to yours, continue to lead with ganas. Thank you for tuning in. If you found this podcast interesting, please make sure you subscribe to our show and share with friends. My heritage taught me to fight, they move in their brains while they busting their back. My heritage made me a wolf, I'm ready for battles, I leave my pack.